Here we go. You are now listening to Random Ramblings with Rock. Yay! What up, everybody? This is your boy, B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Rambles with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, always and forever, for coming back each and every week and listening to the show. Also, if you're a new listener, kudos, high fives and fist bumps all around. Thank you for taking the chance and listening to me talk words and stuff. Hey, what's going on? I'm nothing much. I'm just sitting here. It's about 11.55 p.m. Rolling into a glorious Friday morning. Um, if you're looking on the news as of current, as of today, the 24th, which in five minutes, it'll be the 25th. <laughs> um, we got a little bit of bad weather down here in the Texas area, the Gulf Coast or whatever. So, um, I'm doing all right at this present time. Had a little bit of sprinkles when I was uh, working downtown today over down around the outskirts but um nothing too bad it's bone dry up here on the um, north side hopefully it stay like that i had to get up on the roof today after i got off of work and clean the gutters out so that rain can get through there properly that's the last thing you want with all that rain have your gutters overflowing with water <laughs> as my man happy rogers would say water <laughs> and um you get it but but since I've been working getting home um later in the evening and everything kids back to school um everybody sleep as per usual Mrs. B Rob is at work though because she's working the night shift um I'm doing something that I haven't done in a while and that's playing video games and right now, since I have the EA Access Pass, <laughs> I'm not sponsored by them, but they should, motherfuckers. Um, I'm playing Roy, Rory McElroy Golf. EA, you know, the motherfucker that took over for Tiger Woods and shit. I haven't played a golf game on a console in who knows how long. I think I was playing Tiger, Tiger Woods was always fun. It came out every year. And I think um, the best one is when um, EA was making all the sports games with all the game breaker features like on um, NBA Street and shit. So I had to, I forget what year it was, but Tiger Woods they had game breakers in a golf game and shit. So it was damn near guaranteed holding one all the time or damn near right on the hole on the green, you know, so. I used to enjoy the shit out of that, but they started making it more technical, more lifelike and everything. And um I used to play the shit out of that. Another game that I used to play the hell out of was a uh, tennis, top spin, top spin. Best tennis game I ever played. I even went so far as to get that shit on the Vita. So I can pal it around with me whenever I went to sit in somebody's waiting room or something, especially at the motherfucking VA. <laughs> for my hips and knees and all kind of shit. But anyway, that's par for the course. We got a jam packed episode. We ain't got no voicemails. Hoppy on hiatus. 
right now he been doing other podcasts and setting up some other stuff you know trying to get his uh movie deal uh crackalacking and rolling and prepping for um you know hopefully getting into that festival he was talking about so i can understand hoppy got his got his focus somewhere else right now and once again hoppy i appreciate you for everything you do you man high fives virtually and booyah but um this week I say it's jam-packed because my guest today, he was talking and I was listening. Um, and the perks of, um, having somebody that can talk at length about, um, something they really dig, they're passionate about or they're really into is, um, you learn some stuff, you know, things that you may have not known if you're not well versed in that topic that that person is speaking of. Um, but, this topic that we spoke about on this edition is, come on, guess what you think it's going to be. See, I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally being silent, you know, letting you think in your head what it could be. Yep, you guessed it. We talked professional wrestling. <laughs> My guest this week is a guy that currently goes by the Twitter handle mile high villain and I think as um we came together on Twitter um via the new age insiders and um the pipe bomb with McCool and company you know it's just a community of um Twitter users that um you know cohabitate in the what is it that the NAI neighborhood or NAI neighborhood whatever I forget how they pronounce that shit it's always weird when you look at the hashtag but, um, you know, we all bond over professional wrestling and uh, me and him have exchanged words many a times. And this show here, the one that you're listening to now is not only my show. It is your show as well. So, I mean, it's open forum. Anybody can come on for whatever reason, just to bullshit, um, act ass, do um improv and uh, we can do theater time, puppet time. Well, not puppet time. No. No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this show is much is is as much as yours as it is mine. You know, I just pay all the bills and shit. But you can help me out with that if you um so desire, and I hope you do. And you can find out ways to help the show grow and progress if you go to randomrobcast.com. But that's part from the course. Do that um after you finish listening. Or I mean, it's 2017. We got the technology to where you can listen. And browse the internet on your phone or shit. You might be even having your device like mine's is over here. You can hear it to my left sitting by my TV and I'm on a computer. So, I mean, I can pick up my phone and scroll while I'm recording. Or if you're a casual listener, you can play on your device over here and you can be on the computer over here. And you can go to the website, randomrobcast.com. And uh, look up ways that you can help. You can buy some merch and everything. Uh, you can donate just monetarily through the patron account via Podbean. I mean, I, all the links on the website, randomrobcast.com. <laughs> but um, he said we should talk. And I was like, okay, what are we going to talk about? What the fuck do you think we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about wrestling. He ain't say that, but that's what I would say because I'm a smart ass. 
And um, we did just that. Got the man on here. And he uh, schooled me a little bit about some um, wrestlers that I did not know of and um, suggested some wrestlers that I should look up. Which, last, if you're listening, I went ahead and um, he went by Mile High last before, but his current Twitter name is Mile High Villain. So, last, if y'all familiar with the name Mile High Last, I know I didn't dispel that earlier. But anyway, um, I did a little bit of... um, surfing today when i had when i was allowed the time and i got to see uh that matt riddle uh, shibata match which i've been wanting to see i seen a clip of it and i really like shibata and um you suggested matt riddle so i went ahead and checked that match out on new japan world which i don't know why i haven't been checking out matt riddle earlier i mean i've heard of him of course from uh rant with ant and everything they like homeboys and shit they be drinking beers and doing Instagram videos and shit together, so. But I, sh- I should have checked him out earlier. Also, Keith Lee, which is a huge human being that can that that flies like he levitates, and I don't understand how he does it. <laughs> Some Harry Potter shit. I got to check him out. Also, I seen my first Leo Rush match outside of the damn. Flying off a 30-foot ladder through a table and no-selling-it spot that we talk about in this episode. But, yeah, he's 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 a, little, he's a pretty good dude. I got to um, keep my eye out on that guy. I mean, we just got the news that he signed with WWE um, a couple of days ago. So, I mean, probably NXT bound. And that'd be amazing if he went straight to the main roster. But I, I highly doubt that. He, he seen, from what I've seen, he's seen... He would seem to fit more in the NXT area. And NXT has just got all kinds of shit going on. They got Adam Cole. They got Red Dragon. They got Chris Hero that they ain't doing shit with. Um, So many people coming in. Sanity the Champs now. That's crazy. But anyway, I mean, I'm sitting here winding up. Here's the pitch. We're going to go ahead and roll into this edition of the Random Rambles with Rob podcast featuring Last. Yeah. This is why I did lighting and lasers. I never did audio for this exact reason. Lasers. Indeed. Attached to their freaking heads. Nah, I wasn't a shark guy. I only did salmon. Oh, wait a second. I work for the government. We weaponized salmon. I think I've said too much. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, for the... Proceedings this evening. What should I refer to you as? I'm the Mile High villain. I'm Laz. Whichever one you like better. Um, the villain Laz. Word. <laughs> All right, my man. What can you discuss about your employment that um you won't have to kill me over? I know no, how, dude. I I, I work in IT, works. man. My shit's boring. <laughs> I take care of a. Uh, I do uh, <clears throat> basically cell phones uh, and tablets for a government agency. Nothing too overly exciting, nothing too exotic. It's just a standard domestic agency. Okay. Shit, so you you the guy in there with all the wire bundles and all the other bullshit. No, I actually got out of that, dude. I'm the guy with all the fucking iPhone chargers stuck in the wall. That's pretty much what I do. <laughs> Right. Um, we've been uh, planning, but 
I don't plan shit. I just kind of things just kind of happen. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, stuff happens. Yeah. That's the world. I mean, we've been trying to make this happen for a little bit, and uh, we finally yeah. here at the zenith, at the um, the the epicenter of evil, as you uh, like to talk <laughs> about on the internet. There's a lot of hate spewing around when there's a uh, concern about Mile High Last or now the Mile High Villain. So um, yeah. let's dispel and disperse some of that energy out into the the internets. <laughs> let's see here. Let's see here. Where did like okay? Do we want to start off with fun? Do we want to start off with drama? Do we want to start off with insane? Aren't those all the same thing? Sometimes. I think I've dated her, but that's totally different. Oh yes, I've been there. We might know the same person. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, it's like the world is insane. And at some point, like, I feel like everybody left without me. Like, I'm on an island, like, waving at the boat, leaving. It's like, I don't know what happened. So when the Ark left, you was uh, the dinosaurs and the unicorns. Yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, I was like, guys, like, oh, bye, guys. Hey, what's that bright light? <laughs> but, yeah, man, it's like, I- I'm just at a point where it's like, I don't, I don't think I fit anymore. Because I'm a person that, like, I grew up with everyone. Like, I grew up in an Air Force town, dude. We had people from everywhere. Yeah. And anywhere. And, like, I got called a racist on the internet today. Because I made a joke about Pacific Islands. And the easily, how easily they're confused. And somebody totally missed it. Hmm. Do tell. I mean, it it spawned. (laughs) It was basically they said something a lot. It was it was that ridiculous uh, put together a Roman Reigns conspiracy theory okay. thing, and they said something along the lines of like, "Yeah, I hope if he ever does go work the Indies, I hope he goes to New Japan and joins the Bullet Club." And I was like, "Oh come on, guys! The Bullet Club's overrun with Samoans." Yeah. What about chaos? Okay, making an oversimplification. I know very very well that Tamatanga. Tongaroa and Fale are all from Tonga. None of them are from Samoa. I don't even think they have a Samoan on the roster. But if you ask the average wrestling fan, yeah, they name a Paci- name a Pacific island that wrestlers come from. I guarantee you, Tonga's not going to be the first answer. No, because I, I did not know that existed until you spoke of it just now, <laughs> dude. It's it's a tiny little island nation. Now, granted, man, that's where Haku's from. Yeah. So I mean. This is an island that produces some bad people, like some bad human beings, and uh, not not like bad people, but like physically bad human yes, beings, like bad in the good sense. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, I mean, uh, dude, when I that hurt my feelings because it's like one of those things where you're just like, especially in this day and age, especially right now. Like to me, that word carries so much more weight right now because everybody's so hyped up, and it's like, whoa. This is the last thing I want. I don't want drama on this. You ain't hype. Because I dig everybody. Like, it's like, you guys don't understand. I'm just, if I'm guilty of anything, I'm guilty of bad comedy. But there's a lot of other people guilty of that, too. Yes. I being one of these people. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, man, let's get on to something fun. That's that. That's drama. Let's get on to something crazy. Yes, you had a, um, um, a whole Rolodex full of things that you wanted oh, to yeah, go through. Man, there's like so much stuff going on, dude. What about... 
let's talk about the thing that everybody's talking about this week. SummerSlam's over, NXT's over, Beach Ball Mania's over. Um, let's talk about McGregor Mayweather. Ooh. <laughs> I figure we can I figure that's a good random totally different thing because that fight kind of transcends so many different fandoms. Yes. That it's it's unique in that respect. I mean, you had Mayweather had the crossover in the WWE with Big Show. Mm -hmm. You've had McGregor that is tailor made for two hundred five live. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those. I mean, Mayweather could always sell a fight. That was one of his skills. Yeah, that's. I mean, he was he was Don King who could box. Mm -hmm. He could sell a fight. Now you put you put McGregor in there. McGregor is the closest thing to a WWE promo in the world. Yeah. That's not John Cena. I don't think anybody would be John Cena. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you've got two guys that are both born salesmen. Both these guys are born hawks. They're both, they're both carnival barkers by their nature. Yes. And uh, I just wish it would be a better fight. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, um, I, 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 they're going to get paid. Regardless. Oh, they're gonna get paid huge. If if, if they did some old um freaking I forget the name of the movie, it was an old movie or whatever, they hypnotized this guy to think he was a good boxer, and then when they got in the ring, they double knocked each other out and um they just um they had that one long shot that they you know, it was all a part of a setup or whatever, and they had one person out of that whole thing because it was a built up fight, it was highly anticipated, and they only had one person betting on it being a draw or a double KO or something like that. So it was like the odds were wildly off, or whatever. Yeah. And if somebody was able to hit that, they would be the richest person in the world because that's an odd bet. So they rigged it to where it would end like that. You know, they go in the see, ring, blah, blah. They knock each other out, double knockout, and they get all the money. But so, see, here's where you have the problem this weekend, okay? Monetarily, it would be best for McGregor to win the fight. Yes. Because that would sell a rematch in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But McGregor's wading into the deep end of the pool without water wings. Mm. I mean, Floyd Mayweather is a boxer. That's all he's ever done. Yes. And you're walking in. I mean, you're basically walking into the, the lion's den right there, and you didn't bring a chair or a whip. Uh, how would this be? Um, could this be comparable? Comparable. <laughs> comparable. To uh, the transition with CM Punk going from um, professional wrestling to MMA, I don't think so because the, I mean, you got a couple of major differences. First off, McGregor is a better pure fighter than Punk ever was. Of course. Um, also, McGregor has an experience with actually hitting people, also which is true. something CM Punk in his previous career it was that was frowned upon unless he was working Ryback. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I give McGregor a little bit more of a puncher's chance because the guy does have power. Yes. Okay, I mean, he's got he's got power, and if he can put Mayweather down early and rattle Floyd, he's got a shot. But I would say if they get to the seventh round and Mayweather hasn't hit the canvas, it's fight over. It'll go the distance, but it's a decision, and Mayweather will win it handily. Yeah, because that's what he do. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, 
that's the thing. It's like everybody's expecting this knockdown, drag out fight. Dude, it's Mayweather Pacquiao all over yeah, again. Yeah, I was just about to say that. That's that's the always the comparison. You know, when people talk about this fight, that's be that's the first thing that I bring up. Because I, I granted, I I don't really watch boxing. I don't watch too much UFC, but out of those two genres of sports, Mayweather and McGregor are the two that I hear about the most often, you know, especially when uh, Mayweather was active. I mean, to me, the only way that you could make this fight more hype in the ring promo-wise is if you got Kale Sonnen to be the guest ref. (laughs) Like, that's the only way you could do it. And then have John Cena be like the guest timekeeper or something. And you just put them all in there and just let them go. I mean, but you wouldn't be able to see him, though. Yeah, give them like 35 minutes, just let them all cut promos on each other, and then that we can all go home happy. Yeah. It's like, it would be the best episode of Raw ever. Vince McMahon actually had an orgasm that I just said, let's have four people in a 35-minute talking piece. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, uh, and like, everybody's freaking out because the money is going on McGregor. And it's kind of like, you morons don't watch boxing matches. You don't understand how the line moves. Yeah. It's like, this happens every fight. What'll happen is McGregor will suck up a little bit. Then the money will go back on Floyd because it'll be cheaper to bet at that point. And then... And then all of the all of the little money basically is what we use because I when I lived in Vegas I worked in a sports book what we'd call tourist dollars that late money will go on McGregor yeah and it'll close I mean I think the last time I saw it I think Floyd was like a seven or eight to one favorite that fight's probably if I were going to make a guess that fight closes at about Floyd maybe minus five fifty so you would have to lay fifty five dollars to win ten. On Floyd. So it's like one of those things where it's like, you'd be better taking the opposite side and putting 10 on McGregor. And if he knocks him out, you win 70. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't bet my money on shit like that anyway. Uh, see, like, that's the one kind of gambling I enjoy. Like, I like sports game gambling because it challenges my knowledge. It's th- That's the part of it that I like because it's kind of like, okay, cool. And then it's like, then you get to game theory with yourself. It's like, okay, what if that person gets hurt? Who's the person that's behind them and stuff yeah. like that? I mean, it's 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 basically um, a former jock uh, that has bad ankles and bad knees. So it's pretty much the closest I get to athletic competition at this point. So <laughs> I got you. But nah, man. It's like everybody's hyped for that, and it's like I can't wait. For Sunday morning and all the people saying, I can't believe I spent $99 on that garbage. Yeah, that because I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to see the whole thing on somebody going to post a link, uh, post it, the match in its entirety on Facebook or some shit. <laughs> well, it's like not only that, but like the thing is, man, it's like it, it's it's Pacquiao Mayweather. Everybody spent yeah. what, $89.99 for the HD? Yeah. And then they complained about it afterwards. Because yeah, because I the mean, fight happened seven years after it should have. Yeah, and and it was the fact that um, you had two fighters in there that had two completely different mindsets. I mean, I think at that point, I think Mayweather already knew he was about to hang it up. So damn, he wasn't in there about to go try to prove nothing because there was really nothing for him to prove. He just got in there to make his money. Pacquiao, on the other hand, went in there. 
with the fucking pride of his country on his back and he wanted to go in there and fucking bare knuckle street brawl and shit and <laughs> that just wasn't happening but see you have to look at you have to look at floyd and this is the genius of floyd this is where i i look at him and go vince mcmahon wishes he had that booking ability still floyd mayweather if you look at like his last 15 fights mm-hmm. he either fights fighters too early or too late. It's like he never really got a fighter besides De La Hoya in his peak. Like after De La Hoya, he kind of went solo and started working as his own promoter. Yeah. So he was like, like the Canelo Alvarez fight. I think if they would have fought two years later, I give Alvarez a fighting chance. But the thing is, is they fought earlier. Canelo wanted to come forward, which plays right into Floyd's I want to run away for 36 minutes and beat you to death in the process. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you look at, if you look at how he booked himself, it was perfection. Mwah. Like, he managed to miss almost everybody in their peak. It was beautiful. Because the thing is, is nobody could ever say, oh, well, you didn't beat him. Yeah, I did. <laughs> It's like I beat him before he was ready for me, or I beat him after long after he was done. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, but I still beat him. Yeah, I mean, it's all strategy, man. And I mean, inside the ring and outside the ring. So let's see here. Okay, so we talked boxing. Time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody, retreat to your corners. Okay. Um, let's see here. What's next? Um, Let's talk SummerSlam. You watch SummerSlam, man. I'm, I kind of retired from it being an avid WWE watcher because I discovered it makes me a happier human for the most part. And it's not the fact I don't love the talent. The talent is the best in the world, and I love those guys. And the second that they retire from the WWE and go back to the indies or whatever, I'm all in to watch them. So, yeah, so I can't give money to Vince anymore. I can't do it. Okay, so... That that that's my question. Like, what turned you off? And mean, what do you, I mean outside? I mean, because I know how Twitter is, and if you're following the right people on Twitter, or if you follow the right people, on, even on Instagram, or maybe even Facebook, I mean, you can get information about something that you don't actively watch. Oh yeah. So it's like I mean, I can get I get all the WWE I need in gifts from the WWE that other people link and I follow enough people on Twitter that people are like, it's, it's chill. It's like, I get all I need. I I know what's going on with the storylines and stuff like that. And it's like, all I want now from the WWE is I want their product to be more widely enjoyed. I want people to be happier watching that product because it's a real bummer to have people dedicate that much time to something and not, be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. I mean, but nowadays, man, that's the way of the world, man. You can't watch anything and not complain about it. <laughs> well, you can. Well, oh, I yeah, mean, I will. Well, okay, yeah, of Thrones. I I know you can, but that's that's not that's not how this works. <laughs> no, no, I, and and I'm with you, but it's like one of those things where it's like I. I heard myself being negative. Like I could hear my own voice in my head and I was going, Oh my God, I'm on my own nerves. (laughs) And it's like, no. Okay. And it was like, that was the start of it. Like the the other problem I had, I'm a Bray Wyatt fan. Mm -hmm. 
I watched that man get run down and run down and run down and run down and run down. And I watched him lose on like six consecutive pay-per-views. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I, I'm good. Like, he talks shit all month and then gets beat. And he talks shit all month again and he gets beat. <laughs> it's like, I, you gotta give me something to believe in this guy, please. So, I mean, going with that or whatever, whenever... Um he became champion. How'd you feel about it then? You know, dude, I was excited for him. But the thing is, is I think they mismanaged it. I think they sold it a little bit short. And I think that having Randy turn back on him so fast was a mistake. Yeah. I mean, I think that could have been a great storyline. And the thing is, they could have played that out for months. Yeah. I mean, hell, Randy could have taken a vacation with his wife for a month and he could have been locked up at the compound or something and nobody saw him and they were only playing like videotaped things from Randy getting tortured or whatever at the compound. Like, okay. Like, I mean, they could have done so much more with it. And it's like, he's one of those characters that it's like, that guy went from having the Undertaker's lightning one week to getting his ass whooped the next week. Yeah. And it's like, I understand if you did something wrong, but what did he do wrong? I don't know, man. It's just like, he is a good character. He is a good talker. And, um, I don't know what, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I can't really speak to it because, I mean, I'm not backstage, you know, but it's just like, it's just weird. Just like how you were saying, I mean, he does great mic work. I mean, he's a good performer in the ring. But he always comes up short. He's like a, he's Dolph Ziggler in his own right. <laughs> yeah, I mean Ziggler's a little bit. I mean, but the thing was, I mean, like I really, really like Dolph Ziggler too. Mm-hmm. But he's one of those guys. He never wins. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, it's like you can only be a fan of a guy so far if he never wins. And because I'm sorry, I realize the WWE, good old Road Dog and Vince McMahon and everybody else in creative and all this other stuff say wins and losses don't matter. I got bad news for you. Yes, they do. Well, I don't know, man, because like I think I've reached a point to where I mean, you know, it kind of bothers me, but I really don't care, man, because like I just want to watch what's going on, you know, because I, mean, I, I look at, I look at it more as it would be like game of Thrones. I look at it more as it, it's a TV show for my entertainment, because I mean, that's all they're really doing. They're going out there and they bumping and bruising all their freaking bodies for my entertainment. So, I mean, yeah, I may not like how they, uh, you know, do the storylines or whatever, but still, I mean, I'm getting some entertainment stuff to watch. It's like, what if they didn't do 50, 50 booking? What if when somebody was supposed to be getting the better end of the feud or somebody was supposed to be working the underdog role, you booked it 70-30. You booked it 80-20. Yeah. Just to where that way there's a, there's a more, you you feel more for the underdog at that point because it's kind of like, man, this dude's just been getting rocked. Like, okay, like we're behind this guy now because he's been getting killed. So it's like, you know what? We want to see that guy win. It's like, it's like what they do with Sami Zayn. Why, why do they only do that to Sami? Like, to me, like, any of your underdogs, they should be losing more mm-hmm. often than not. Yeah. I think, but with Sami Zayn, man, I think that's just like, it's almost the DNA of his character to always fight from the bottom. Yeah. 100%. But it's like, there are other guys on that roster that are in the same position. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a prime example, Neville, before they gave him the cruiserweight run. Mm-hmm. Neville is doing great 
you know, in this current incarnation, man, he, he is doing great. I mean, his promos are good. I mean, his ring work always been amazing, but now he has a character to kind of match his, uh, you know, what he's doing in ring. Yeah. And it's like my thing uh, and the other, I mean, like uh, the couple of issues I had with the WWE, I mean, I hated what they were doing to the cruiserweights. I still hate what they're doing to the cruiserweights. Enzo's a cruiserweight now. That's not good. I know. <laughs> that, that, that's not good. Now, granted, his promo will yes. probably be better yes. served on 205 Live. Mm -hmm. But Enzo's a decent worker, but the guys that are in 205 Live, every single one of those guys could blow the doors off of the main yeah. roster. I mean, NXT is kind of like, I mean, not NXT, uh, 205 to me is like NXT light. It's all the other indie wrestlers that's not in NXT that they go to 205 Live. But they don't have any stories. There's no engagement. There's nothing that wants me. There's nothing that drives me to watch that show. Yeah. The only thing they have is um what they're doing with Neville and, well, was Tozawa. I don't know if they're doing anything else because, I mean, I don't really watch 205 Live. And see, that's and, a shame because the, whatever the, I, the, the talent on that show is amazing. Yeah. I mean, whatever stuff that I do get from it is from what they do with Neville and whoever he's going up against with on Raw or whatever. So, I mean, that's where I get my info about 205 Live from, but, from watching here, them on Raw. Here comes a question. How did they screw up Gentleman Jack Gallagher? I don't even know, man. He's been doing a lot of um, outside of WWE stuff right now. I know he just wrestled freaking um, Pete Dunne at, a, I think, a Progress show or something. Oh, well, he like was that. supposed to. He got his eyebrow busted open the night before by uh, Darius Carter oh, yeah, on yeah. an errant belt shot yeah, that yeah. everybody said was a shoot. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, if I was a promoter, I'd be like, oh, baby, you do me a favor. You two go home, cut mean promos on each other. I'm going to book this again in two months in a building three times the size. Mm -hmm. that, and we're going to all make money. That dude, Pete Dunn, is a fucking star, man. Dude, he's, you know, I, I kind of, I, I kind of started turning away from the WWE and going more indies two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of gave up on the WWE after the election because I, I came to the realization through tax releases that uh, Donald Trump or the, the McMahons had donated multi-millions of dollars to the Trump Foundation. And they had donated multi-millions of dollars to his election. And the thought of me even contributing a penny to that guy made me throw up in my mouth a little bit, yeah. to be totally honest. Well, Dan McMahon is paying for that cabinet seat. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. Dude, she, dude, Vince looks like a fucking genius, man. She ran for the Senate twice, cost him $75 million, And he fucking lucked into a cabinet position for like two and a half. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a um, I, I'm not down. Like it's like you know what? It's not the fact that I don't love the wrestlers. The wrestlers are great. Those guys are amazing. I mean, I would be the first person to tell you. Like even the worst guy on the WWE roster has got talent because he had to have something to get there. Yeah. But at the same time, I can also look at that company and go, I don't want to give you a dollar. Mm -hmm. And that sucks because I want to support the wrestlers because I like them. 
But I know that if I buy a t-shirt, if I buy a DVD, the, the talent's getting pennies on the dollar. And it's like, I would rather wait till they open up a pro wrestling tea shop or Sami Zayn does a fundraiser or something like that. And I could just give them money to that. Yeah. Like, that's my personality. It's like, I'd rather go that route than donate to a, a wannabe billion dollar company. Okay. I got you. But now let's talk about something nice again. Let's talk about NXT. Time. Like I, like I said, <laughs> any wrestling fan. So, what in NXT has caught your attention? I could give you a little bit of background on them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, do that for me. Uh, Alistair Black. Tommy Alistair N. Black used to be Tommy, Tommy, Tommy fucking end. Yeah. Okay. Tommy was in a tag team with uh, Michael Dante called the Sumerian Death Squad. Mm -hmm. If you are a fan of tag team wrestling, it is strong style to the core. Uh, Dante, uh, if you watch progress at all, Dante has worked off and on, uh, in the Atlas division solo. Um, I don't know a lot of what he's doing. Otherwise I know he's still working around Europe. Um, the other thing with Tommy is Tommy worked everywhere. He was in PW, he went to PWG. He worked all over the UK. He's worked all over Europe. Um, I am not 100% sure on Japan. I don't know. But he's one of those guys that, like, he's a former kickboxer. So, thus the black mass and all of his elbow strikes and all of his knee strikes looking so solid. It's because they used to be. Yeah. Um, he is, in my opinion, he is a future world, in my in my reality, he is a future world champion in the WWE. He's got a trillion dollar entrance. Yeah. He's got great theme music. He's unique in presentation and in persona in the WWE. Yeah, I don't even and think I heard that dude talk yet. It, exactly. But the thing is, is, he was the first person you asked me about. Mm -hmm. I mean, the beautiful aspect is he's Dutch. So the thing is, is he speaks English yeah. well, but it's with a little bit of an accent. But the thing is, is like, uh, you can find some of his, uh, like the Sumerian Death Squad promos on YouTube, and he talks in a lot of the promos. Ta Dante does a little bit of the talking, but Tommy does most of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's, he's special. Yeah, and see, this was a guy that, until the UK tournament, I have never seen with my eyeballs. You know, I've heard the name Tommy in. Um, first time I heard it, I thought he was a creative character or some shit. I heard um, um, I think Jason or somebody from the New Age Insiders utter his name, and I thought, you know, because they play around a lot on that show, so I thought oh, yeah. they were just making up a guy's name or whatever. Oh. But then yeah. I start hearing the name more and more and more and more, and I was like, who is this guy? And I never really thought to go on YouTube or whatever and look the guy up, you know, but. They announced the UK tournament and he was like a special guest competitor there and he blew my motherfucking mind. <laughs> Dude, he is the only thing he has working against him is his weight. Mm -hmm. If he was a little bit heavier, I would tell you he's a world champion in four years. But you know how Vince is. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like I 
I still think at some point Vince has got to go away. And I think Triple H knows money when it sits on his face. <laughs> at least he knew it at one other point in time in his life. Yeah. Hence um, his positioning now. Yeah, it's like at least he figured it out at one other point. But, dude, that guy will print money. If they make, like, dark-themed t-shirts for him... The WWE will sell a metric fuck ton of them. They will put them in Hot Topic and they will sell the shit out of them. I mean, it's like there are there is so much money wound up in that guy mm-hmm. that it's insane because it's a market the WWE doesn't touch. What I uh, really enjoyed about the um, NXT takeover, well, I mean, it was his entrance because the actual people that do his theme music, they were there live and it just added to the atmosphere or whatever because he was like on stage with the people and the instruments and everything. I'm pretty sure you've seen some of the pictures floating around to where the dude yeah, I saw was the like, gif of it. I mean, dude, it looked awesome. Yeah, it was just great. They had um, actual candles on the stage and they had the, like the LED candles on the screens all around the arena and shit. It looked fucking amazing. But see, you know, like I worked in production back in a previous life. Um, I did live, I did rave production, live concerts, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, I know where the, uh, and it's both are, <laughs> but the one thing I always loved about NXT is like NXT is wrestling done right. Mm-hmm. It's like the the sets are a little bit more. Um, Shout outs to Piper Brooks, by the way. She runs a wrestling page called uh, Wrestling Done Right because that's her last name. Her, Kate, her her shoot last name. Word. <laughs> I mean, with NXT, you've got. I mean, the production is like it's more personable. Yeah. It's it's a little bit smaller. It's not a million dollars of LEDs, and they do some personalized touches to it. Um, uh, dude, like I will give Triple H all the credit in the world. Like with what he's done with NXT, I don't agree with the way NXT is structured, but the the presentation of the product is second to none. I actually prefer the presentation of NXT over Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Because I like the small atmosphere environment. I like that. And I think um, like, SmackDown is uh, improved leaps and bounds from what it used to be. Because like, I, I know now that, you know, the three hours of Raw doesn't help, you know, the third hour. But I look more forward to watching SmackDown than I do Raw currently. See, now, that's a curiosity. Like, a couple, was it, after what pay-per-view was that? that was it was it Mania? What? No, it had to have been after that. People were talking about, oh, it must have been, right? Did they do a draft or something recently? They did a shake-up. They just um, okay, switched a couple up. people, yeah. People said something about maybe it, it seemed like the SmackDown creative team was changed up. Yeah, I've I've heard. I don't know for fact because I mean I don't really search for rumors and all that stuff. But I've heard that some of they brought up some people from NXT to SmackDown. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I mean it's just something like you can kind of. I mean I kind of caught it from a couple of different people. The people were saying like the show felt a little different. Yeah. So it was like I was just curious, like if it was for the better, for the worse, kind of thing. Yeah. No. Nah, no. Nah, it's it's definitely good. Um. Before, when it was um, all one just 
mass of wrestlers on both shows or whatever, you know, SmackDown was really lacking. It was just kind of there. It was like continuations of Raw, pretty much what it is. But since the split, to me, in my opinion, is um is on the up and up. Is only improved. I mean, the implementation of the new tag titles and um, women's title and everything, I think, really helped because, I mean, now is really helping them establish their own identity because if you just, I mean, I don't know, if you didn't know anything about you know, WWE as a whole and you just branded these shows as Raw and SmackDown, their own thing, they're not affiliated with the same company, you would think SmackDown is a different show from Raw. Yeah, it's just a different feel. Yeah, it's just a different feel. I mean, they even had some presentation elements within uh, SmackDown that was even different from Raw. They don't do them so much anymore, but um, they had a point to where they had like um, the bird's eye camera. I remember that. They started that like right before I stopped watching because I stopped watching like right after the election. I pretty much called myself done. Yeah, they had like the the moving hard cam. Um, They was doing picture in picture during the commercial breaks so you didn't want you didn't miss any of the action See, now that's awesome because mm-hmm. it keeps people engaged it stops people from changing the channel yeah like to me that that's smart like if you can get your advertisers to utilize that <laughs> like the people never get an excuse to turn the channel yeah i mean it, it, it's i think that's freaking amazing you know just i can because i I kind of hate the stuff when you know, all right, this is what happened during the commercial break, you know, but you know, now I get to see it the whole way through. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, that, that, that always bugged me. It's like, and I can't, I, I would never want to go to like a raw or a SmackDown live. Cause dude, having to sit through like the chin lock rest holds for commercial breaks, I think I'm going to be good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nah, nah, I'm good. I'll go to a house show. That sounds like way more fun. Shit, yeah, I've been most recently this year to a Raw, and that is a freaking, oh, man. They have a dark match before the show. Then they have, I think they do Superstars or something. Then they have Raw. So that's like five hours. Yeah, it, it's... it's Holy crap. Because I'm Central Time, so I'm... um. What, but two hours, an uh, hour ahead of you, two hours? Yeah, hour ahead of me. Hour ahead of you. So, Raw starts at 7 o'clock here. But if you show up to the arena at 5, they're already letting people in, and they're already starting matches by 5.30. Holy cow. So this That's most, a lot of wrestling. Yeah, man. so this most recent Raw that I went to, they filmed Superstars, and then uh, they didn't have a dark match this time, but then they did... Um, the actual show. So that one was fine. So it was Smack the- SmackDown was even long too. They had a dark match before. They had SmackDown. Then they had two o five live. Then after two o five live, they had a dark match. That's a. I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's like it, it's like the same thing. It's like that was the thing I heard. Like that was the thing that echoed through the Twitterverse was Beach Ball City. Oh yeah, and here's like. I'm going to give a counterpoint and you can tell me if I'm totally full of shit and that's cool if I am, because I totally believe it. Uh, um, but here's my, here's my theory. Okay. Three days, four days in a row in the same building to the same fans is in t- 
entirely too much. Well, yeah. Because I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen in November. Yeah, that's what I know. In November, I mean, they're going to have a takeover here in Houston. Then Sunday, they're going to have Survivor Series in Houston. And then Monday and Tuesday, here in Houston, they're going to have Raw and SmackDown. Uh, yeah. And, like, think about it, okay? It's like the thing I asked everybody was, like, during NXT, did you hear any CM Punk chants? No. Did you hear any, did you see any beach balls? No. Did you see any Mexican waves? No. Okay. Now, that's night one of a long weekend. Everybody is super excited. Everybody's ready to be there and ready to fucking go. Now, we move on to Sunday. Survivor, SummerSlam. Okay? The beach balls came out, but there wasn't as many of them as there was on Raw, correct? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, okay. and that's kind of like another thing, too. If you see somebody do something, especially at a wrestling event, if you see somebody or hear somebody do something, and you're going to be around that same group of people the next day, you're going to wind up doing that times two. Because it's go. monkey see, monkey do. So he but brought now, a beach ball. Now nah, I'm going to bring a beach ball. <laughs> but now you turn it up another notch. So the thing is, is you get into the SummerSlam card, okay? Then you run into the problems that Raw runs into and SmackDown runs into on a weekly basis. There are people that the WWE has invested more time and energy in, and there are people that the WWE has invested less in time and energy in, and the level of caring of the crowd varies on the amount of that investment by the company. So there are some matches that are super hot, and there are some matches that are super not. So you, ha so you had SummerSlam. Now you go to Raw. Okay, now, first off, I'm going to say shame on the WWE. They have allowed this to occur for multiple years. Uh -huh. Okay. If they were that concerned with it, they would have nicked it in the bud when it started and been done with it. Let's move on. But they allowed it. They encouraged it. And the crowd realized we're fucking bored. Let's get ourselves over. Mm -hmm. Now, you go into SmackDown. Now we're into day four. So now you are into the true hardened warriors. Okay, these people have been drinking and probably at a pool for three days and out partying. And by the time they get to night four, they're still hardcore. They still want to go. But when they get there, they could give a fuck. And it, it degrades, like, if you look at the shows in the course of the days, they degraded accordingly. I bet SmackDown wasn't as bad as what Raw was. Not so much. Okay, so that plays into the theory. The thing is, is the Raw after the pay-per-view is the zoo. And it's always on these four-day, and it's, and it's on these four-day weekends. And see, and, that's, and that was another thing that was, um, what, you know, your theory and everything to make it even more interesting. Um, they didn't really do nothing on Raw per se after SummerSlam, you know, because SummerSlam is like their second biggest pay per view next to WrestleMania. I said WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they didn't. They didn't pop anything like they do for like they did like they do after Mania. No, 
What they did, though, on SmackDown, Bobby Roode made his debut. And Dude, Bobby Roode is a great entrance. I think yeah. he's a good wrestler, but I don't find him exciting. I, I think he's, I think he's been good so far. Yeah, it's for, like, I think he's been better in NXT than what I've seen him in fucking TNA or anywhere else. Well, I mean, but the thing is, is he actually also had an investment in his character in NXT. Yeah, and he actually had a promoter that was promoting that character first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's what Bobby Roode needs. Like, he needs that hardened gimmick to work around him. And. And but the thing is, is Triple H recognized that and said, "Okay, cool, you're now the glorious guy." They gave him one of the greatest theme songs they've ever made, and and then and then you turn loose Gargano and Ciampa with the glorious bombs. Mm-hmm. The second those started, it was over. He was over. Yeah. But he's one of those guys, like, I personally don't find him that exciting. Like, there's not, there's nothing about him that says, oh, man, I got to run in there and go watch this Bobby Roode match right now. (laughs) Like, it's just like, I mean, and it's not anything personal against him. Like, I'll say this is me. Like, I don't see the excitement personally. But, like, there are other people that speak very highly of him, and I respect their opinion. Well, I mean, let me tell you, uh, uh, now in hindsight, you know, after seeing his debut, on um yesterday um looking at him now in nx looking at him in nxt his physique has changed tremendously i mean this is the best shape i've ever seen bobby Roode ever so i guess with all the nxt guys and i can tell you what it is all of these guys are used to jumping on and off flights running through airports Mm -hmm. eating shit Sleeping for shit in shit hotel rooms, on people's floors, on people's couches, going back to the airport, flying to the next place, sleeping like shit, getting something shitty to eat. Then they're on to the next town. The thing is, is that NXT, they get to wrestle. They literally, they literally, it's like showing up and punching a clock for them. Like, they throw in the little mini tours, but it's nothing that's continuous. So the guys get the chance to get home, recuperate. They're in the gym. They're working the weight program they've been assigned and stuff like that, man. Triple H knows what he's doing. He's building monsters. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, he is he's looking bronzed and veiny and muscly all over the place, man. I was just like, wow, this is he is looking glorious. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's like and that's the that's that's one of the things that I will give NXT credit for. It's like their physical training people do an amazing job with their talents. Their talents all look great. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, like I was saying, I've seen the change from the time he debuted in NXT up until now, and I think it was maybe in preparation for his transition over into uh, SmackDown. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, but you got to remember, he walked in the door pretty much hot shot to the title. Yeah, he did. So, by doing that, he... Um, I mean, he kind of just walked in the door, kicked the door in, and settled in, and started working. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's one of those guys that's like, he's a great gimmick. And wrestling companies need great gimmicks. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, now um, they've inserted Adam Cole and the Red Dragon. I'm interested to see where that goes. I might start picking up NXT again. As what is it? Uh, the circumference of chivalry, as I started referring to them. 
What? Instead of Ring of Honor, they're the circumference of chivalry. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> or or cock. We could go ahead and put that on t-shirts. Put cock. That's just like ha. It says cock. Yeah, I was calling them Yellow Dragon. <laughs> Dude, it's like, um, you know, I think they need to add one more person. Who? Who would you put? Donovan Dijak. Well, he's on the way. <laughs> he is. And it's a legit monster for that group. Yeah. And that's another motherfucker, man. Donovan Dijak. Damn near seven feet tall. And I've seen this dude almost kill himself two times in one match. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, dude, you know what? It's like, I'm, I couldn't be happier for Donovan. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't be happier for, I mean, like, I'm sad as a fan because I feel like I'm kind of losing him because I won't support the WWE product. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I can't be happier for these guys because these guys are getting the opportunity to go make some real money. Yeah. And with Dijak, Dijak's one of those guys that, like, he is so unique. Mm -hmm. He is freakishly athletic for a guy of his build. He's like Keith Lee. Like, Keith Lee does things that are not human. Dijak does a lot of the same stuff. Now, the WWE is going to reel him in Big time. Yeah. I think we've seen the last twice a match backflip plancha for out of Dijak out of the ring that we're probably going to see for a while. Yeah. No, no, no. They might, they're definitely going to rein him in, but I believe he'll bust out a, a move every now and then on the takeover or something. And the part that's going to be ridiculous about it is he's going to have so much stuff like literally sitting in the tank to pop people mm-hmm. that nobody's going to have a concept of what he's capable of. Yeah, because I mean, that's like with um, Braun Strowman. I heard that dude can do a 450. It wouldn't surprise me, dude. He's another one of those. Okay, uh, Bill Parcells. Old football coach for the Giants. Yeah. Okay, Parcells had a theory about drafting in the NFL. And it was called the planet theory or the dancing bear theory. Uh, basically, what Parcells would look for in offensive and defensive linemen, he wouldn't necessarily go and find the guy who was the best in college. He would go to the combine and he would see who has the best feet. Mm-hmm. He would go to the combine and see who had the best shoulder moves. And uh, it, it was like... and. Uh, their nose tackle, their defensive tackles were always those kind of guys. They were never the highest guy on the draft board, but they always were, they always overachieved for what was expected of them because they had such a unique physical skill set. And with Strowman, like, dude, he's one of those guys that, like, he's like, I think he's more like Lesnar than people want to admit. Yes, yes. Um, He is a guy that, like, I could see that guy doing a shooting star press at WrestleMania just to do it. <laughs> and hopefully not hurting himself. And hopefully not collapsing the fucking ring. Yeah. But he's one of those guys. It's like, I could like, if somebody said like, Oh yeah, dude, he could do a 450, I'm like, totally believe it. Mm-hmm. Because he's just, he's one of those guys that like, and watch and like seeing his little bit of development and seeing how people went from being really down on him to being so excited about him, seeing that transformation, like just in an online presence has been fun to watch. Yeah. He, he, that that dude, they did 
I don't know who's behind that decision, but they did a good job. He bypassed NXT and everything and just went straight to the roster. But he didn't. Well, I mean, I know he was there like... Eh. He was a rosebud. Yeah, I know that much, but... <laughs> I'm talking about, like, he was being... a rosebud. He was a smiling monster. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like as far as competitor aspects. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, he was a rosebud. I, I call that a qualification. Yeah, Let's he, go with it. He was a rosebud. Uh, Simon Gotch was a rosebud. Blue Pants was a rosebud. Oh, I um, love Leva. God, I love Leva. She's so great. <laughs> They got a couple of people that was a rosebud that wrestle now. I just forget their names. But it's but it's like one of those like he's one of those guys like seeing his like seeing people warm up to him and then seeing him be probably the most over guy on the roster. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. Um, shit, he beat the shit out of Lesnar Monday, and you know he should. Yes, that's. That should be your WrestleMania main event next year. Mm-hmm. Because that's the main event Vince wants to book. In his heart of hearts, if you held Vince McMahon down and he didn't have a three-year investment in Roman Reigns and you showed him those two matches on paper, Strowman Lesnar's the match. Yeah, I agree. Because it's two monsters. That's Vince's bread and butter. But that won't be the main event, and people will be disappointed by it. Yeah, and like that's the part that that's the part that kills me. It's like let's do the math on that, okay? Because everybody's forecasting the thirty-four main event time, okay? Yeah. Um, thirty-four main event, and people are broadcasting Lesnar and Reigns, Lesnar and Reigns, Lesnar and Reigns, and it's like that's a horrible idea. Well, I mean. Yeah, for WrestleMania, I, I always said, I mean, they're going to have to do it. It's going to have to come to a head because they never had a definitive one-on-one match with a winner, you know. So I, I wouldn't against the aspect of them two going head-to-head just to have a winner out of that match because it's overdue. But um, I didn't really want to see that at WrestleMania. No, 100%. But here's where the major problem comes in. Okay. Everybody knows Brock's on his way out the door. Yep. Okay. People like to boo Roman. Yeah. Whether he deserves it or not, and whoever's opinion that's listening, people like to boo Roman. Yeah, even if they like him, they boo him. <laughs> exactly. It's just become the thing to do. He's become John Cena 2 electric boogaloo with like a third of the mic skills. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, he, he's he's gonna be forever in history as with uh, Cena and Kurt Angle and Daniel Bryan to some extent. You know, anytime that music hit, anytime those people are seen, there's either going to be a yes chant, a you suck chant, uh John Cena sucks chant, and damn, now with fucking Roman Reigns, it's going to be a boo. Yeah, and it's like, but now, okay, do you remember what happened the last time Lesnar was on his way out the door? No, I don't. That's when he wrestled Goldberg. Oh, yeah. WrestleMania 20. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Remember how much of a dumpster fire that was? Oh, yeah. They, because they, they the whole crowd was mad because they were both leaving? Yeah. Okay. So now here's the problem. Brock is leaving again. Mm-hmm. So people are not going to want to cheer Brock. Because Brock's on his way out. People don't want to cheer Roman anyway. I'm afraid of one of two things. That match being way quieter than it should be. 
or the totally wrong reaction. Yeah. I mean, that was my first thought. I'm going like, oh, that's not good. Like, that's just, that could go so wrong so quickly. And then you end up with another WrestleMania that Roman is holding the title up, getting booed. Yeah. Oh, what I kind of, you know, with the, in light of uh, recent events and everything, I kind of, you know, think that, you know, they're phasing away from that in some respects with, um, you know, Dean and Rollins being over on Raw with Roman. Uh, Dean and Rollins already came together as a tag team. They're current ca- tag team champions. They're the she. Yeah, the, yeah, they're the she. That the ill is not there yet. They're the, they're the she. So I mean, Roman is that missing piece. You know, they talk about it all the time. Uh, what two thirds of the shield or the? <sighs> like, see, but that to me, like, you're baiting. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, you're going to have one of two things. Either you're going to cheapen the surprise, or people are going to be sick of it before it ever happens. Because seven months is a long time till WrestleMania, and you already get what it looks like to be getting Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar now. And if that happens... And to me, that's wrong. Yeah, and if that happens now, let's just say for the fuck's sake of it, Braun wins. He ha- He is the universal title. He is the universe title. He is the universe. <laughs> he wins the title. Brock goes away and does Brock shit like he normally does. Where does that leave him and Roman? Dude, I would that that would be a great match. Yes. Like even that would be a great wrestle. I would prefer that WrestleMania main event over Roman and Brock. Yes. If I'm purely honest. That to me sounds way more appealing as a wrestling fan because both of those guys are going to be at work Monday night. Mm-hmm. And win or lose, regardless of who you are a fan of going in, you still got something to invest in on Monday night. Yep. And that's a totally different response. Because the thing is, is like, if Roman, if Braun comes in with a title and Roman beats him in just an absolute smash up of a match, and like, and Braun could be left laying, dude. Fucking drop a bus on him. Whatever. Like, he could just be left laying and bleeding. And then the next night, have him do the whole I'm not finished with you yet thing, and just, he comes out like a fucking Terminator. Mm-hmm. And then you're off again. They can go again at SummerSlam. Yeah. I mean, it's like... I would rather I would rather people I would rather the fans have that match because it's it's something that they can look forward to. It's something that they can look forward to the next chapter of. It's not it's not, oh cool, Roman won. Now we never see Brock again. He goes to Undertaker land. Yeah. Like it, no. I mean they probably could, I mean they could still do that. I mean Braun take it off of um, Brock. I and, like that. And Braun just run with it all the way up until Mania or even beyond that, maybe. And that's a hundred thousand percent believable. You show me one guy on that roster that looks like he can remotely compete with Braun Strowman in reality. Yeah, and just in light of the past opponents of Brock Lesnar and how he beat them all, you know, except for, you know, how that shit went with Goldberg, but that's something totally different. Brock has decisively beaten 
just about everybody he faced, you know, in Mater, Mater, <laughs> Mater. We're talking about cars. Dude, we're, major. Dude, we're, we're just making words up. Yeah. I'm all about it. In major, you know, competition or whatever. You know, he made John Cena look like a bitch. He made Triple H look like a bitch. He made Roman Reigns look like a bitch. Who else? You know, currently. And it's like, am I the only person that was upset that they threw all that momentum away on Goldberg? I mean, I understand why they did it. Like, yeah. I get it. It was to pop a number, basically, yeah. before their before their quarterly report. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. that was not what I expected. Like, in my head, I had that win going to Roman. I had that win going to Baron Corbin. Mm-hmm. I had that win going to somebody young that could run with it. Yeah. But it was like, you gave that win to a 50-year-old man. Now, granted, dude, Goldberg did his part. Yeah, he did. Goldberg came out and looked like Goldberg. And, dude, at 50 years old, if if I can look like I do now and I look like shit, I'll be, st- I'll be excited. <laughs> and it's like one of those things where it's like, it's like, dude, like, I wasn't 100% sold on Goldberg, but it's yeah. like, you mentioned the New Age Insiders earlier. Jason's a massive Goldberg fan, and that's awesome. Like, Goldberg means more to him than any other wrestler. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's awesome. And it was like one of those things where you you see somebody who is a diehard fan, and they've been watching wrestling forever, and you can see that excitement come across their face. That, to me, is what wrestling is about. That's why, like, that's the reason why I, I'm not a huge fan of Roman still using the Shield music. Yeah. Like, I think he should have gotten his own theme. Give him something where he can break away from it. So when that music hits, it's Daniel Bryan. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's Shawn Michaels. It's Mick Foley. Yeah. It's, oh my God, it's The Shield. And, like, the the worst part about it is they're going to hit that music and they're going to get booed. Uh, yeah. Unless like, they, the potential is there. Yeah, this is true. I mean, and to me, that, like, you got something there that's money. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is the wrong time for this. They should have waited another year, get Balor a little bit more seasoning, get AJ over to Raw with him and Carl Anderson and Doc, and you get a bu- and you get the Bullet Club together, and then you have the Bullet Club versus the Shield, and wrestling marks around the universe ejaculate in their pants. Oh, sure. Like, I mean, they still, that's the answer. As as is, I mean, they can probably still pull that off. I mean, they got Finn with the um, Doc and Gallows. Yeah, it's like I mean, it, it, it's or, a Doc or and Gallows. I was gonna say it's the same name. <laughs> it's the same Gallows person. And Anderson. I was like, yeah, Gallows that's not right at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like it's like to me that's the answer. Like, why does the Shield need to reunite? After you told us that these three need to go their own way and be stars. Like, what is pulling them back together? What is the force that is making these three independent talents have to reunite? What is there to defeat? What is there to slay? Where is the dragon? What's the point? Yeah. I mean, they obviously, they got to work up to some shit or whatever. But, I mean, that's just the consensus. Um, Who are they going to put in there with? Like, that's what I'm curious about. Like, if you were to book that, like, who do they go in there with? 
Yeah, I mean, the only like I was just saying, the only thing that come to my head is Finn Balor and um, Doc Gallus and Anderson. Anderson, yeah. You fuse them together some kind of way and make it happen. It's it, it's the Ammunition Association. Yes, it's the um, NRA it's, club. It's the Pew Pew Posse, as I referred to them. The Pew Pew Posse. <laughs> because you can't call them the Bullet Club, so it's yeah. the Ammunition Association. It's the Pew Pew Posse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the uh, what did my friend what did my friend call them uh, the high speed projectile coalition? Yeah, I mean, it, it, or they can even just take the bullet out and be the gun club. <laughs> yeah, do they can be sponsored by the NRA? Vince loves exactly. money. Exactly. Vince loves money, and Vince would be down with it, dude. That's 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 right up Vince's alley. That's pure Republican politics. Get the NRA involved and run with it. But um, to go back to Brock Lesnar, or whatever, you know, we've only seen him dominate those seasoned veterans or whatever. I mean, you can say Roman Reigns was a newer guy and Dean Ambrose was a newer guy, but I mean, I don't think, you know, as far as the company wise is Dean Ambrose is not on the level of Roman Reigns. So and I think Dean's a better promo. Yeah. Yeah. Of like course. when you cut Dean loose, Dean's a great promo. Yeah. And but he, the problem is, is they're trying, he's the lunatic fringe. No, yeah. he's not. He's a fucking village idiot. You've turned him into fucking Kurt Angle in the tiny cowboy hat. <laughs> like, let Dean Ambrose be more like John Moxley, okay? I don't need him taking his sawzaw to the forehead. But let him go out and be a little bit darker. Let him be a little bit edgier. As a matter of fact... Him in the shield the way he was originally when he came in was fine with me. Or if you want to turn him heel... When the shield breaks up this time, since it was Seth the last time, and you know goddamn well it's not going to be Roman. Well, shit, why not? He, they already boom. Give him but a reason to boom now. <laughs> exactly. Like, but see, that's common sense, and we already know that that does not apply here. Mm-hmm. But if you t- want to turn Dean heel, and you want to make him that darker, more brooding character, pair him up with any of the sanity guys. Give him that stable. Let him and Eric Young co-run that group of fucking monsters. Yeah. I like that. I mean, something like, okay, you've been telling me he's a lunatic for years, but he's more of a slapstick comedian than a lunatic. Yeah, he's a silly fringe. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, and it's like, no, dude, like, you're talking to a guy who lives for comedic wrestling, dude. Like, I am a guy that has watched the Project Ego versus Grado and versus or Grado and Madman Manson match fifty times. If I've watched it once, I still laugh like an idiot every time I watch it, even though I know everything that's going to happen, and I still laugh about it. Yeah, but it's like I mean, but the thing is, is like I love comedy as much as the next guy. But if you're telling me a guy's a lunatic, prove it to me. All you've told me is he likes to steal city vehicles. That's all I know about Dean Ambrose. He's stolen a milk truck. He stole a cop car. I think he stole a mail truck at one point. It's like, that's not a lunatic. That's a car thief. That's total. That's repo, man. You guys had him already. Yeah, what's mine is mine. It was yours. That's mine, too. Exactly. <laughs> You're the greatest. That could be one of the greatest vignettes ever. Mm-hmm. Him hot wiring a fucking station wagon. Like, that was lights out. <laughs> but, I mean, it's... It, it's I, I see them bringing a lot of parts in, and that's good. 
Like, through the NXT system, like, they are bringing in a ton of world-class talent. Yep, Leo Rush just got signed. Dude, and, dude, Leo is amazing. Mm -hmm. That kid is absolutely bonkers. Only 22 years old. And, like, that's the crazy part. And it's like everybody was all over his shit last week going, oh, no, so the power bomb killing the business. And they're blowing him this week. <laughs> it's like... Somebody tweeted that. It was a wrestler, too. I Joey Ryan. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous. It's like, okay, I watched the match. All right? I, I, I've watched all of the Janela versus Rush matches. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them has been lunacy. Like, they beat the absolute hell out of one another. Like, if you watch the match in context with the rest of the matches that have taken place, mm-hmm. what you saw made total sense. Okay. But the thing is, is like, when he stood up, that was a warrior spirit spot. Nobody caught it as a warrior spirit spot, or a fighting spirit spot, rather. Yeah, yeah. Like, nobody read it as that, but the thing was, was to show that Leo wasn't done. Like, it was that whole thing, because, like, in their previous match, dude, that's when they were punked, they were throwing chops at each other, hanging from the rafters by one hand, and they fell through a double stack of tables. Like, these two guys have beat the crap out of one another. So it's like one of these things where it's like, oh, first off, like, dude, I've seen worse no-sells in the WWE. Yeah. Like, that's the part that cracked me. That was honestly the part, the first thing that made me laugh in my head when I heard that Leo Rush was in trouble for no-selling. What was the first thing that popped into my head, Rob? Roman Reigns getting hit in a fucking vest and just, you know, spear, I win. (laughs) I'm going back a little further. I'll give you a hint. Rush is a clue. Mm. Oh, freaking um, animal. (laughs) I mean, uh, Hulk. There you go. Now, Hawk had a no-sell of a pile driver from Ming mm-hmm. on WCW's television that was a million times worse, and that happened on live national TV. Yeah, he did. He, he got power drove, stood right back up like, eh, whatever. Yeah, and he got fired the second he got backstage, because that was not supposed to happen. But Hawk knew he was going to get fired, and he didn't want to break the Wood Warrior persona. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like like people are so short sighted on some of this stuff. It's like how many times have we seen Cena get hit by a crosstown bus and get up and hit the AA and win? A lot. <laughs> I mean, it's like come on. It's like okay, all right. Maybe he stood up a little fast for your taste. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was in a CZW ring. Yeah. The odds are the only reason you even saw it is because Joe K was nice enough to give it. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's people finding a reason to be mad. Nobody can just be happy. People want to be mad. They want to be upset. And that's part of the reason why I de- deactivated on Twitter. I'm like, I'm done. Like, if everybody just wants to be mad always and people just want to be ignorant, I don't need to do this. Um, Leo Rush, to go back to him. Um, I haven't seen anything of his other than um, I think I've seen part of an entrance and I've seen the goddamn powerbomb spot that we just talked about. 
Describe to me his character and his uh, in-ring style. Wow, dude. Leo is... Let me see here. Let me look for point of reference. Because, I mean, from... Have you ever seen uh, little... Have you ever seen Lucha Underground? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ricochet. Yes. Or Prince Puma, rather. Yes. Um, um, think Prince Puma-esque, but shorter. Mm-hmm. Um... Leo is, Squire he is not as graceful as Ricochet yet, mm-hmm. but he's got, but the thing is, is his ceiling may be higher than Ricochet's. Okay. Yeah, he um, got more time to cook. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, he's a pup. Yeah. So it's like, it's like Pete Dunne, like they're both puppies. Like that could be, those two could kill each other for a decade in that company. Yeah. Um, but with Rush... Rush kind of went through a transformation. Uh, he was kind of a more of a get down good guy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I was kind of seeing or whatever. I seen one time I I seen him or whatever. Like I, it wasn't really a match. It was just more of the character. It's just like you know standard uh, high flyer tights, kick pads. I do flippy shit and stuff like that. And then another time I seen him, he was down wearing face paint and yeah, eyeliner that was black and all. art transformation. Yeah, and I don't 100% know what was behind that whole star- story arc because it was in CZW and I've, I kind of, now that he's signed I kind of want to go back and see how that whole arc progressed but there was there was a uh, basically a, a monstrous turn in his character mm-hmm. where like literally overnight he went from flippy fun guy to I don't give a shit I'm going to kill you guy like it was, it was that fast mm-hmm I mean, he's a, uh, he's, he is everything the WWE wanted Patrick Clark to be. And that's the honest truth. The, Vel- the Velveeta spleen. <laughs> um, first off, I got bad news for the guy. Like Patrick is a, he's a talented guy. Like he could be, he, I saw Patrick as kind of a Shelton Benjamin kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, not as developed, but I could see him going that direction pretty quickly. But the thing is, is, like, this pseudo-prince thing that he does, there's a guy on the indies that does the gimmick a thousand times better, so I can't take it seriously. Okay. So it's like, like, Leo Rush is one of, like, Leo Rush is that guy where, um, think of him as, at this point, not as Mike Savvy as, say, like Cedric Alexander, but similar in style. Okay. Because um, when I look at him, you know, when he had the painting on and everything, I automatically thought Finn Balor. You know, um, he is one of those guys. Um, there was, a, I mean, I, I, I don't see it personally, but there was some confusion between him and Desmond Xavier because they're both. That's the dude that. Uh, that's yeah, the dude they're, that in they're it, both uh, gentlemen of African American right? persuasion with tattoos, so people automatically assume they're the same person, and it's kind of like guys, they're totally different humans. I promise. Isn't Xavier the one at uh, GFW now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he works out of uh, Rockstar Pro in Dayton. Uh, I think he's been working PWG. Um, he's coming to Denver in October, and I've got tickets to go to that show. Um. Uh, I mean, he's he's another one of those guys that, like, I don't think he's long for the independent world because I think that he will get snapped up because he is unique. Okay. 
Um, I mean, but dude, Rush is one of those guys. Dude, sky's the limit with them. I mean, if you look at the NXT roster as a whole, yeah, like, I mean, the talent there is so thick that I, the the developed talent there is so thick that I can't call that developmental anymore. Yeah, I, I've I've long you know just abandoned that thought of NXT being a developmental company. I mean. Maybe in some cases where they tool characters a little bit and everything, I can understand it that way, but there is not a Baron Corbin there that I can see. There's not a freaking, I will, other than, you know, the Velveteen Dream and, um, the goddamn Authors of Pain. So, I mean, they got a few guys over there that's like kind of their crop, but there's not a lot of them. But see, like, to me, that's unfortunate because the, the original premise behind NXT was developmental. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's unfortunate because the WWE likes to take risks on guys. They like to find uh, former stars from other sports, whether it be football. They actually, yeah. I think they signed a goalie. Um, they signed, uh, like, black belts in judo and, like, Olympic medalists of wrestling. And I mean, like, they, they go out and they look for raw talent. Yeah. And it's like, to me, the whole point of NXT was to have a developmental brand. Like, if you're not going to use NXT as a developmental brand, find a 1,500-seat venue in Orlando and rent it for house shows every Thursday and sell the bitch out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as good as is, I mean, maybe, you know, extend it by 30 minutes or an hour. But... I think it's good for those guys that they do have in the back brewing because they get experience from those guys that's coming from places that they've never been. You know, you get more, you know, learning experience that way because there's no doubt in my mind that damn Adam Cole and uh, maybe Red Dragon or some of the other guys that came from other places are back there working with those future guys and gals that'll be on the TV soon. And then we got to think about some of the females and some of the um, other talent that they might be purposely keeping off TV for other things they got coming up, like the May Young Classic. Um, they had people from the um, the British tournament, and then they might be having something else on the horizon as well that they're holding people back from. Oh yeah, but I mean, like to me, like what I would—I mean, if it was if it was my show to book, mm-hmm. because I have my own network, because I'm Vince McMahon, yeah, do another show. I mean, yeah, you could. Do a developmental show to where you can get some of these guys who are developing out and cutting promos and working in front of the crowd and things like that. I mean, well, I mean, they do that. I just, we don't see it. Cause like, if you go to NXT's Instagram, I see a slew of motherfuckers that I have never seen on NXT TV on the network. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying that like, there are some guys that they're, they're better than working only house show matches like mm-hmm. they could use a little bit of exposure yeah to kind of help them take that next step like to me like they're missing a step there like yeah they're going like basically it's kind of like hey cool you're at the, working out at the performance center but i got bad news the depth chart in front of you is real deep yeah i don't know and, man because that list is never getting shorter like there are always people signing yeah i mean it's still i mean they have unlimited potential now they have See, unlimited talent pool. So, I mean, even if they came to a spot to where 
all the guys that they came in and they signed, like Adam Cole and all those guys, even if they came in for a little stint, went back to the Indies or even moved up to the main roster, they can just be like, all right, we're kind of slow right now. There's nobody else we, we really need to sign. All right, let's get this guy in here. Let's get this guy in here. Let's get this guy in here. But um, Here's the premise that I had for NXT, and this was a thought that I had a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, NXT was supposed to be developmental, yeah. so make it developmental. Mm-hmm. So what you do with NXT is you make kindergarten, you make NXT uh, kindergarten through sixth grade and graduate school. Mm-hmm. And what you do is once they graduate from the eighth grade and you think they're ready to go work, you go around the world and you find some, and you go around the world and you locate wrestling promotions. And the WWE knows exactly what they're looking for. They can go out to these organizations and talk with the promoters, make sure the gears up the stuff, all that kind of stuff, and send these guys out to get some work. And then when, and then once they get that little bit of polish, then they're ready to come back for graduate school. And then they're ready for NXT again. Well, I think they're doing that with some of the guys. Not are, not, not, the, like not the ones they are cultivating. They're doing that yeah, with like the it, indie guys. To me, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's like, to me, like some of these guys, like, okay, let's go back to Roman Reigns for a second. Time. Okay. Uh, back to Roman Reigns for a second. There are some fans that hold it against Roman Reigns because he never worked in a VFW hall in front of 24 people. Mm-hmm. There are people that hold that against him like big time like it's it's weird that how much they hold it against him so take that excuse away yeah like you don't have to send him into a vfw hall in front of 24 people but maybe talk to mike elgin send some people to glory pro in st louis send some people to aaw in chicago uh send people to work for fucking booker t in houston I mean, like, there are so many places out there, and you know what some of those guys, and this is the other thing that I was always afraid of with NXT, NXT has tremendous coaching. Yeah. Okay, like, they have got some of the best coaching, but the thing is, is by having a very small coaching group, they're learning how to do things a specific way. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're learning how to repeat it that specific way. And what my fear is, is over time, you're going to have people that you're not going to really be able to tell the difference between. So that's what I was kind of thinking is like, once you get through the eighth grade and you get some training in, dude, let them study a year abroad. Let them go spend three months at the progress dojo. Let them have, let them go spend three months. Like, dude, work out a deal with fucking New Japan. Have New Japan send some of their young lions over here, and we'll send a couple people over there. Have you been uh, watching the G1 tournament? I haven't got caught up on it yet, but it's like that tournament is a that tournament is the best tournament on earth every year. Well, I tell you what, man, um, I've been following New Japan since uh, Wrestle Kingdom Nine. I, I mean, I haven't been like watching it hardcore, but I've been starting to keep track of what's been going on over there since Wrestle Kingdom 9. Over this past year, I've been, you know, making a, another, making an effort to watch it now. I just got New Japan World this year for the G1 tournament. I'm still waiting for the Roku app, man. Like, I hate having to piggyback through my iPad to do it because yeah, sometimes, sometimes it hitches up. And all that, yeah. 
But, but the second I get a Roku app, man, I'm all in. Like, I could literally go back to the beginning of their catalog and watch from the beginning of time. That's the only thing. It's like, I guess I'm not used to anything non-WWE. Because, I mean, going from the WWE app to the New Japan World app is just like a world oh. apart. You know, I mean, because they got the English translation and everything. Don't get me wrong about that. But the English translation is so fucked up most of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's not even, I mean, it's manageable. I mean, I can find what I need to find, but it's just like, it's not that organized. You know, it's like if I type in WrestleMania, I get every last WrestleMania all categorized, you know, in order, neat and everything. But I type in Wrestle Kingdom over in uh the new japan world app and it's just like uh here's a match here here's a thing there there's a what's yeah. this over here and it's just all over the fucking place you know i think they need they should probably hide a uh, they should probably hire a um uh an, a consultant to have them to help them with the reorganization of how they're structured and they're on demand mm-hmm. and that service could be a thousand times better yeah but they get in uh, there but the thing I like about New Japan, the thing I like about New Japan World, is occasionally they'll have shows where there's no commentary. Yeah, it's just two, it's just people wrestling, and it's one hard cam. But like to me, it's like some of those are my favorite shows because it's like, dude, I would never see these matches in the WWE, and some of these matches are really good. Yeah, I think I watched one just to see what it was. It popped up on the feed. It was um, I think it was the the Dragon's Gate project or something like that and it was all the freaking um young lions wrestling and everything and um they had a couple of veterans in there like takamishi nuku who came in and no sold all the young lions offense <laughs> and beat the shit out of them and left <laughs> killing the business man killing the business but yeah man it's just like i even like that concept of it too it's like you gotta earn your stripes in um new japan because it's like they they're not allowed to wear custom gear it's just all black on black everything the small tights and the small black boots and you earn that as you go exactly and i I think that's fucking awesome it's like i remember freaking david finley dude i about lost my shit laughing because uh home dude was in friggin black speedos for like a year and a half every time i saw him and then one night he walks out in like leopard print and i'm like what in the actual fuck is going on here like like, it freaked me out because he looked so different. Yeah. Just like that one thing, you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's just like, um, just knowing that, how they kind of do with their system or whatever, it's just like watching all these different wrestlers now, it's like, there's not too many that have similar to the Young Lions uh, attire, other than um, Shibata. Uh, is that, did I say his name right? Yeah. Yeah, he he the only one that I know that wear all black everything. But the thing is, is that's Shibata's gimmick. He's yeah. no frills. Mm-hmm. That's why he's uh he is literally the wrestler. Kitsura Kitsuri Shibata, I believe is his first name. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like he is literally the wrestler. So like I mean you know, like New Japan, like that's the thing that I find weird, okay? I enjoyed waking up during the G1 tournament because the new Japan fans were shitting rainbows. (laughs) Like it was glorious. People were happy. They were excited. They were, they were like, it's like, yeah, like that's totally it. 
And then, like, Raw comes on, and everybody's a sourpuss again. And it's like, come on, man. You guys were so happy earlier. What happened? Yeah. I, I, I do agree. I mean, it was a whole, I mean, obviously, it was a whole new world. But it was, like, just a change of pace. It was, like, I know what I'm used to watching on television is even when I watch uh, freaking Lucha Underground, it's just like, this is way different, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but see, that's that's the beauty of New Japan. And it's like, it's and it's unique in the respect that, like, you have to earn your way up the card. Like, you don't, like, unless you're AJ Styles, you don't walk in and main event. Mm-mm. Like, at least not in current day. No. Um, and it's like, and you know what? It's like, Think about it. Like, okay, you got people out there that either love or hate Uncle Dave. Like, everybody's got an opinion on Uncle Dave, and no two opinions are the same. Um, I'm talking about the Meltzer star ratings, by yeah. the way. Um, the issue, like, the thing is, is like, think about, I, I want you to go look at Meltzer's five-star list for, like, 15, 16, and 17 so far. Uh, look at the amount of four and a half plus star matches in Meltzer's opinion. Okay, so now I realize this is an opinion thing, but I also know Dave has seen a lot more wrestling than I personally have. Mm-hmm. And if he says something is great and I should watch it, I'm going to take his word for it. Because the absolute worst thing that can happen is it's going to be an hour-long match that I'm not going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I have spent a hell of a lot more time watching wrestling I didn't enjoy than an hour. Mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where it's like you can kind of take or leave it but like look at the amount of four and a half star matches they've had and look at the amount of people that have had them like that's the insane part like and look at the number of WWE matches that have eclipsed that same rating in the same period of time okay. I mean it's it's almost shocking how how skewed it is because it's the thing I like about the thing I like about New Japan, the thing that I prefer, because I'm an older wrestling fan. I'm I'm closer to forty than I am thirty. Like mm-hmm. I grew up with Hulk Hogan. I grew up with Andre the Giant. Like mm-hmm. these are the people that I that that I grew up with. But the um, they can tell a long story, and nobody goes, "Oh my god, this is so boring." Yeah. Like Okada and Omega has been going on for a year. Yeah. And it is not going to end until at least January. Yeah, because I, I, I totally believe that Omega is taking an IWGP championship. So do I. But the thing is, is like, think about that. That is an 18-month story arc. Yeah, because, I mean, it's even longer than that if you count the time that Omega, you know, worked his way up through the system there till he got to Okada. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I like slow burn storylines. And the thing that I enjoy the most about that storyline is it's like, I engage all parts of my brain. I get entertained by Kenny Omega cutting promos because Kenny Omega can go out and cut a promo in Japanese and in English. Yeah, I thought that, that shit blew my mind, man. Oh, dude. And it's like, one of those things, it's like, I love Omega's presentation of that snarky, snide heel. Now, Okada, being as he doesn't speak as much English, it's like it's like subtext. It's like it's it's like subtitles. It's like watching a silent film. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, it's like 
and the fun part about the translation is the translation is usually wrong. <laughs> like, um, uh, that, that was like, I mean, you going back to the new Japan ad, the new Japan world website and app. Like one of the things I laughed the hardest at is the first time I subscribed there, which was like two plus years ago, I think something like that. Like, right. It wasn't too long after it got released. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that I found out about it. Um, they had ads on the, they had those weird little ads at the bottom of the page that had the person's face in it. And then they had the text next to it. But when you hit the English translator, uh, all the ads turned into it's six o'clock at Currican fucking hall. What? They had to cur- it, it, tra- it translated to Currican fucking hall on the banner at the bottom of the page. Sweet. <laughs> and I was just sitting there going like, Oh my God. Like, can you guys just hire me? And I could, like to help with that like you don't even have to pay me that much because it really wouldn't take that long well i mean a lot of it's kind of weird over there because they um they kind of think that shit's funny because takamishinoku has motherfucker in his entrance music (laughs) why not dude because the thing is is you have to understand it's japan Mm-hmm. It's like it's so like the fandom is so different and it's so weird. Like Wrestle Kingdom, the first time I watched Wrestle Kingdom, it literally put me ill at ease as a wrestling fan because the crowd was so fucking respectful. Yes, mm-hmm. like people were sitting there quietly and they were waiting for something to happen, and then there would be some rhythmic crapping, rhythmic crapping, rhythmic yes. clapping. Yes. And then you would have some prepubescent girl go, Tanahashi in the background, yeah. and then and then something else would happen. And then it would be quiet again. And then but like nobody ever got up. Nobody ever got mad. Like the only time I've ever seen people stand up at a new Japan show is if Kenny Omega was gonna land in the fucking section. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that kind of mindset where it's just like you watched it and you're just like, Holy crap, this is weird yeah it's like going to the movies or whatever you know you just yeah. they're enjoying the movie and shit yeah and you're just like you're like man this is really weird because it's like you're used to i mean like as americanized fans like we're used to watching the rampway in the wwe and there's people with signs and people throwing babies and people giving people high fives and kevin owens cutting promos on six-year-olds and that kind of stuff yeah. like that doesn't happen there like, it's fairly respectful. Like, the wildest entrance there is, is Okada. Mm-hmm. And it, that should be the wildest entrance, because he's the biggest star. Like, that's your main event. That's the guy. And he's... And, like, I mean, but think about think about all the entrances over there. Think about how sedate they are. Like, in reality, like, really how low-key they are. Yeah. I mean, with the ex- I mean, about your only true exception to that rule would be um, Low Sengo. Uh, because, like, Naito is more animated than he- what he used to be, and now that he has Takahashi to bounce off of with Daryl, and Bushi and, and Sonata's kind of come into his own, yeah. and Bushi's still kind of the weird guy in the mask that spits mist at people, and he's just kind of there because he's the guy that didn't get over. He's the bone soldier of Los Ingob. Um 
that that's who he is. Like he just never got over for some reason. And then when Rush is over there, it gets even better. What? And it, Rush went to um, Japan. Rush from CMLO? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking. Yes, you just talking about Leo Rush. Oh no, not Leo Rush. Uh, <laughs> this is actually uh, Rush from CMLL. Okay. But yeah, I mean, he was one of the original uh, Los and Gope guys with uh, uh, La Sombra. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cien Almas. Oh, okay. La Cucaracha. La Cucaracha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cien Almas. Because um, he yeah, used to wear a mask, he right? He used to be La Sombra. Because he used to wear a mask, right? Yeah. He used to be La Sombra. And uh, La Sombra was in Los and Gobernables with Rush, and I believe it was Naito, and I think there was somebody else. And then when Naito went back to Japan, Naito kind of formed his own clique. Yeah. So it was basically NWO Japan all <laughs> over again, except with way more talented guys. Yeah. And I've really grown on um, Naito, man, because I, like I said, watching him from Wrestle Kingdom 9 up until now is just like a dramatic improvement that I believe is big and important because they did that stint down in uh, Mexico, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, it was personality. I mean, per- I mean, dude, the first time I saw friggin' Naito walk through the curtain in a white suit, I was like, holy shit, it's Saturday Naito fever. <laughs> and, like, he walked out and just owned the place. And he stood in the ring for, like, four minutes and disrobed down to his wrestling gear. Yeah, I see. I that. mean, it, it was brilliant. I was going, like... He literally did nothing except get ready to wrestle, and I didn't blink. Yeah, he makes everybody wait. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it's like, it's, he's agitating the crowd, because the crowd wants the match. So the longer that all, all the necessary pieces can be in place and stop that from happening, it's literally building tension within the crowd. And the crowd's just like, okay, what the fuck, man? Like, you're here, and he's here, and Red Shoes is here. Ring the bell. Hey, man, I, I want to dress up like Red Shoes for Halloween. Dude, I'm down. <laughs> Dude, Red Shoes, greatest referee in the world. Oh, man. It's... Because he is literally known as Red Shoes. I could not tell you what that guy's real name is if you held a gun to my head. It just killed me, man. Like, sometimes he'd be flying across the ring trying to get to the pin and shit. <laughs> Like it's either it's either red shoes. Like if I had to list my favorite referees, uh, red shoes would be one. And if I had to pick another one, it would be uh, Rick Knox from uh, Lucha Underground and PWG. Hmm. Because seeing seeing a referee hit a full scale top rope plancha because he's in the ring with the Young Bucks and everybody else in the ring has done a dive except for the ref. Yeah, I've seen that. And, like, I mean, but see, like, stuff like that, dude, like, that's huge balls. Mm-hmm. Because this is a person who didn't sign up for this. And that's huge balls to me. Like, I'm all about it. That's why, like, I, I dig people that are unique. Like, if you're looking at managers, the guy you need to look at is J.T. Davidson. Okay. JT Davidson is the iron manager. He is the primary manager for the OI4K click on the Indies. Okay, now, there is a match on YouTube. I'm pretty sure if they still have it up. It was uh, the Coalition for Change or something. Uh, it was Darius... Um, we just talked about him earlier. Darius Carter. Okay. Uh, his group versus OI4K. 
Well, the thing is, is all the all of the, the crusade for crusade for change. That's what it is. They came up through the crowd, like to the ringside, and all of the OY4K guys are standing there, and they all run back and hit the ropes, get ready to hit a dive. And in the time that they ran back to hit the ropes, JT Davidson ascended to the top turnbuckle and did a dive on the whole group. <laughs> like, somersault senton on the whole group. I mean, dude, place went absolutely fucking banana sandwiches. And it's a manager. Banana sandwiches. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's kind of the evolution of the game. It's like, because in my head, like, I'm trying to think, like, back to managers. It's like, could I imagine Bobby Heenan doing that? No. Could I imagine Jim Cornette doing that? Absolutely not. But it makes him unique. And he's the only manager I know on the indies that has t-shirts. <laughs> I mean, JT's legit, man. I mean, there's some guys out there in the indies, man. Like, I mean, if, if you're wanting to start looking for uh, guys out there, or you're wanting to start looking up some indie guys, uh, their stuff from the past, like, uh, a guy not to sleep on, okay? A guy that you should be paying attention to is uh, Matt Riddle. Yeah, yeah, I heard of him. Yeah, he's been on um, the rant with that and everything like that. Riddle's legit. He is a former UFC fighter. Yep. Um, and he's a natural. He's just a natural. He gets it. He's one of those guys that, like, he understands this is entertainment. He totally gets it. Yeah, I just don't. Get, just, I just don't get him wrestling in no shoes. <laughs> well, he, well, you got to remember. Well, I know that see? it's just it's just weird, man. It is, and it was weird when Rusev was doing it because he'll be like Rusev. Yeah, Rusev fucked his feet up doing that shit. <laughs> yep. But see, the thing with the thing with him is like he's so unique. Like another guy that people need to pay attention to is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, better known as the MJF. That kid is a star in the making. Mark my words. All right, I that marked kid, it at one. Uh, that, I marked it at one hour and thirty eight minutes. That kid gets it. Like everything clicks. It's it's terrifying. Like. He's realized that he is, he's good at this. He's very good at this. And his promo work is getting better and better, and he's getting more and more creative. And as he gets more creative, his promos continue to improve. He's one of those guys, dude, I could really see him, like, if you asked me who he is, he is the Miz is a better wrestler. Mm -hmm. That's the potential there. Like, as far as that level of obnoxious on the microphone and being able to just get hated. Um, another guy is Ethan Page. Okay. Ethan Page is, he's working a lot for Evolve now. Uh, Canadian guy. Um, great promo. Absolutely stellar promo. Um, great wrestler. I mean, he, his wrestling is getting better. But his promo is a million dollars. He also wrestles for Wrestle Circus. So you'll be able to watch it for free on Twitch. And I think their next show is in two weeks. That, 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 that circus. Yeah, I mean, they've got, um, I mean, Ethan, Ethan's legit. He's another guy that, like, 
he kind of tickles my funny bone because he's that dick heel. I mean, he's that guy that, like, he's he's funny to me because I realize how well he's doing his job. Gotcha. But, I mean, like, dude, and there's, and, 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 dude, the granddaddy of them all, the guy who is, the guy, the guy is going to print money. Okay. okay. Print money. Like, literally just, he's an ATM that can do planches, and he shouldn't be able to do that. And that is the limitless one, Keith Lee. That guy has got WrestleMania main event potential. Hmm. He is. Let's see here. What was what's his what's his intro? Uh, he's 6'4", 332.4 pounds. <laughs> okay, yeah, point and four. this guy can fucking launch himself like he's Ricochet. Like it's stupid. You look at Keith Lee and go, that's not fucking possible. But he will do it over and over and over again. Uh, he's he is the guy that I look at and go, holy shit. Like, if I was starting a new wrestling organization and I needed a bona fide star, he's it. Because he can do things I have never seen a man that size do. And that's from watching indies all over the world. Like the only other guy that I would put in the same ballpark, but he's not, would be uh, Brian Cage. Yeah, that's a big dude. But the thing is, is Cage Cage was not a big dude. He put a ton of work into his body, and the dude turned into a monster. Yeah, I seen like, him in his early iteration, and he was like small. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like he it doesn't even look like him. Mm-hmm. But. When you go to Keith Lee, you look at him and he's like, you're going, wait a second, okay? You're just naturally a big dude. Like, when I first saw Keith Lee, like, he had, um, he had the the Cassius Ono jiggles. <laughs> okay? Now, I love Chris, I love Chris Hero, okay? And I say that with all due respect in the world. I have no room to talk because I also have the jiggles, so it's going to be okay. But he's one of those guys that, like, you can see the transformation. You can see him preparing himself mentally for what's next. Because, like, look up a picture of him. Like, look on Google. See if you can find a picture of him from, like, a year and a half ago in the ring. And look at him today, like, on Twitter. Like, his last picture he posted. He looks like a different person. But he's one of those guys that, you like, do. And you look at him, you're like, there's no way. There's no way that guy can do that, but he does. And he dives like the dude from The Simpsons. Yeah. The dude that got thrown through the front window and he was like full missile. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how Keith Lee does his top rope dive. So that was like an, a joke that like, when we first saw it, somebody posted The Simpsons picture right next to it. I said, I'm never going to be able to unsee that. Um, isn't he, wasn't he in um, ROH? Keith Lee was, yeah. Okay, he was in I've seen uh, him. Pretty Boy Killers with Shane Taylor. Yeah, I seen him live. I seen him um WrestleMania weekend in Dallas. Dude, he's legit. He is legit. Way legit. The name just and didn't catch my ear. He is he's one of those guys that you can look at and go, There there's not many people like you. Yeah. Like 
seeing him and Dijak go at one another, you want to see two big guys that have no business doing what they're doing, but they're going to do it? Okay, I think it was at Limitless in Maine, there was a gif of, uh, uh, send, a, send a tweet to Joe K, and see if he's got the gif somewhere of uh, uh, Dijak doing a backflip top rope plancha and Keith Lee catching him like he was a fucking toddler. Man. Like, literally didn't collapse, didn't fall over, literally caught him square on the shoulder and slammed him onto the apron. It was ridiculous. Like, you're going like, physics tells me that shouldn't happen. Because an object will remain, in, uh, an object set in motion will remain in motion, and an object at rest will remain at rest. So the thing is, is that much inertia hitting someone and that person not flinching it, that's not legal according to the laws of physics. <laughs> I'm looking at like, a, I'm looking at a gif right now with him and um, another big motherfucker, Jeff Cobb. Oh, dude, I love Cobb, man. He's another guy. Like he is. Uh, I think he still probably needs another year, maybe yeah. a year and a half on the Indies. I think he's doing good at Lucha Underground. Oh, dude, he's been great as Matanza. Great as Matanza. But the thing is, is like, unfortunately, he doesn't speak. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I know Jeff can cut a promo because I've heard him do it on YouTube, but there's a lot of people out there that know Jeff Cobb as Matanza, but they don't search out Jeff Cobb because they're just Lucha Underground fans. Yeah. So the thing is, is they don't know the whole body of work behind him. I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, he's a guy I could definitely see ending up in the WWE, I'd say, within two years. If I were to make a guess, I'd say two years. Because he's, he is uh, right up the Briscoe's alley, former Olympic wrestler, that kind of stuff. I mean, like, he is tailor-made for the Briscoes. Yeah. So like, I'm really surprised they didn't sign him before, to be totally honest. I mean, unless he told them at that time he wasn't interested. That's the only way that I could see it. Yeah. I mean, he's a, um, you're a dude. Like, that's the great part about wrestling, man. It's like, it's like there's so many rocks to turn over. And you turn over a rock, man, you can find talent. Because there's, there's shit everywhere, man. Like, I found there's a wrestling company that's been running shows in Denver that I've never heard of. Ever. Never heard of him. And my friend's like, yeah, dude, the IWC show. I'm like, what the hell is that? He goes, yeah, Ricochet is going to be here in October. And Desmond Xavier. And I'm going, huh? These guys apparently have been running a show every two months for like the last two years. I've never heard of them. I've never seen a flyer. I've never seen any social media presence. I haven't seen shit. Dude, not to cut you off, but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of researching um, the guy. And I just came across a gif. It's a match with him and Donovan Dijak. And he just went for a choke slam. And Donovan Dijak, to counter it, he cut a backflip to get out of it. And then he came back at the dude to choke slam him. And he backflipped out of it. <laughs> dude, that's Keith Lee. I, I just sent uh, you a link in the chat. <laughs> I mean, the dude's absurd. He's absurd. Like, he does... He, Keith Lee and Donovan do things they should not be able to do. Yes. Like, athleticism has told me that people are capable of some amazing things. Hell but yeah. it, it's one of those things that's like, I, in my head, it's kind of like, okay, these guys are great athletes, and I bet they're capable of it, but I never expected them to do it. 
Like, that's the part that freaks me out, because it's like, every time Donovan does that plancha, dude, I literally cover my eyes. Yeah. Because I know he's going to land hard most of the time, and it's like, I, no, I don't even want to see it. Because he's just too damn big. Not many people can catch him. <laughs> Except for Keith Lee. And then Keith Lee catches him like he's a baby. I mean, it's... There are so many guys out there that are just ridiculously talented. And it's that's the part of it that's fun. It's like the thing is, man, is like they've just scratched the surface on the UK. Oh, yeah. There is so much talent over there. And there's so much developing talent over there. There's so much potential talent over there. Holy crap, man. And that's not counting the people that you got coming up in Japan because granted, you're going to have some folks that are going to stay in Japan. But you got a guy in Japan right now who went over there as a great wrestler, but wasn't over and became a star. And that's Juice Robinson. Yeah. Like, he's a guy that I could see coming back to the WWE at some point and making an impact because that guy's transformation has been an absolute joy. Because he was a great wrestler at NXT, but he never seemed like it all clicked. And then for some reason, he got to Japan, they tagged him off with Tanahashi, and he went berserk. And everything stuck, and everything improved. I mean, there are so many guys out there right now. I mean, and that's not counting the guys on the U.S. Indies. I mean, like that, that's, that's the ridiculous part. It's like, I mean, Evolve is absolutely chock full of guys that are good and getting better. Some of them are good and getting great. Uh, PWG is kind of a showcase, so I really don't count them like per se as a territory or as a as an independent... I don't really count them as an independent company because it's kind of... That's, that's the greatest hits album. <laughs> like, they pull the best of the best, and that's awesome. But it's like, I, I don't count anybody as actually from there because nobody is. All those guys have worked elsewhere, and most of those guys work elsewhere almost almost 100% of the time. Okay. But, I mean, the other guys to watch out for, it's like, I don't know if you're watching GFW at all. No. I will be here in the next month because uh, my former guest, Kiara Hogan, will be making her uh, GFW debut. I saw that. That's awesome. Like, dude, she's super talented. I honestly thought that she was going to get pulled into NXT. I was a little bit surprised that GFW swooped her, to be totally honest. Yeah, she was talking about that a little bit because um, she was talking about how most of the people that she um, wrestled and had good matches with are now in the Mae Young Classic. Yeah, and like that's the part that that kind of freaked me out that she wasn't she wasn't even in the Mae Young Classic, was she? Nope. That's weird. She was there though. <laughs> yeah, but that's weird. I mean. And it's just, it's, it's just crazy, because, I mean, you're saying she's good. I, I believe she's good from what I've saw. And she's only been actively wrestling for two years. Yeah, and I mean, but see, that's the beautiful aspect about, I mean, the ladies have gone through a renaissance, and it's like, I've, I've loved watching it. And it's like, I love watching the independent stuff. Like, Charlotte Flair, greatest woman's wrestler, potentially on the earth right now, okay? She is, she is everything you would want in a superstar. Okay, now, what I want to see at WrestleMania, I want to see Charlotte Flair as the champion versus Asuka. Yeah. Gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> exactly. Like, give it to me. Like, I want to, that's something I want to see. Because, but you've got, you've got them bringing in other new talent. I mean, Kari Hojo is another tremendous. 
tremendous talent. The the uh, the Japanese space pirate, I think somebody called her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's phenomenally talented. And uh, craziest like, elbow drop Katie I've ever Ray. seen in my life. What's that? Craziest elbow drop I've ever seen in my life. Oh, dude, it's the best. The best. It's the best elbow drop in the WWE since the Macho Man Randy Savage. And if anybody wants to argue with me, I'll argue with you all day. You don't. You don't have to argue because it it's amazing. Yeah, and I mean, but see, like that's that's the cool part about, especially about the ladies. The thing is, is like the men get a little bit more of a break because there's so many on-demand services out there that feature the best of the best. Now, granted, the ladies are catching up because there are some. Uh, a lot of these organizations that were predominantly men are introducing women's divisions because they realize there's a market there. But it's fun to see these, like, these women kind of develop, like, out of nothing. It's kind of fun to see them rise and learn when you start seeing things click. And and it's like, I mean, like, watching, like, I, I followed ICW for, like, the better part of, like, two years because I'm, I'm a huge grade mark. Go figure. Mm. Um... But, like, their women's division is not real big. Like, they've only got maybe six or eight ladies that kind of tinker in and out. But watching them learn has been a blast. And and you actually saw two of them in the Mae Young Classic, or you will, rather. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, Piper Niven, better known as Viper. Yep. And uh, KLR, Killer, or Kaylee Ray. Um, those two, uh, I mean, I love Viper. I, I personally think Viper is a little bit more polished Nia Jax at this point. Yeah. Like, she could be that character. And, and the thing is, it's like, she's over in Japan and she's working with the best of the best. So it's like, she's only going to get exponentially better. Now, not to cut you off, I'm I'm still looking up this Keith Lee guy. Word. And I seen two gifts. One, um, um it was the what's the guy from um GFW was talking about Alexander. Xavier? Xavier. Xavier, Xavier, yeah. I just seen him do a somersault out of the ring and Keith Lee caught this guy in power palm position. <laughs> he didn't even let him touch the ground. Yeah. And then I seen another gif, same thing, but the guy that he caught was a fucking Donovan Dijak. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's why I said, like, Keith Lee's one of those guys that it's like, I can't believe somebody, I cannot believe Papa H hasn't thrown money at him yet. I can't believe it. Because he's that guy that you look at him and go, huh? Like, how this, how not this guy? Because this is pure Vince. It's a big guy. Big guy. And the thing is, is he's a big guy, and Triple H can crown him the first true black WWE heavyweight champion. And holy crap, let's make some history. Yeah. And like I'm all about it. Like That would be awesome, and I could totally see him playing that role. Because he can do so many things that you look at him and go, he can't do that. But he can do it. And he can do it all. I mean, dude, like, I want to see him in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal because I want to see him hit, I want to see him win this son of a bitch and then hit a plancha over everyone in the match over the top rope. Like, 
I want to see that be his entrance to the main roster so everybody in the entire world can take a step backwards and go, whoa, who is that? And why wasn't he here before? Yeah. And he can do that. I mean, he's one of those guys that it's just like, he's he's 100% unique. There is no one else like Keith Lee right now on the Indies. It just doesn't exist. I don't think there. I don't think there's another person like Keith Lee in the world, and that's including Donovan Dijak. Donovan is a tremendous talent, but Keith is ridiculous. I mean, he is just—he just has a gift. This is what he was made to do. All right, man. We've well, you have. I've just been listening to these fantastic stories of indie woe and all kind of things, but we need to go ahead and put a pin in it. Two of them. Two of them. Two pins. Two, two pins. pins in it. We'll do. We'll do another one of these later. You just go ahead and get together all your indie questions, and I can come back and check down some wicked knowledge. It'll be all right. Shizzle. Where can we find you out in the world of the internet? I am taking a break from the interwebs currently. Mm-hmm. I, I just. I, I need a mental break. It's. It, it's like I. I've, the negativity is uh, overwhelming in the world right now. And I don't need to subject myself to more of it, <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. So I've kind of just backed out of social media for a little while, just to kind of uh, chill. But if anybody's got any questions or anybody's got any curiosities or anything like that, hit up B Rob. Uh, I'll pop in. B Rob knows how to get a hold of me. We'll. Uh, I'll get anything answered, or if he's got to have me back to answer a question, I can totally do that. For sure. Well. I appreciate you giving me your time. Uh, God, you, it's fun, man. You have, I got to rant like a crazy person. Yes. You and my have, name's not even Ann. <laughs> you have enlightened me on a couple of things and um, given me a whole slew of uh, names that I need to look at and investigate. Dude, you know, like, that's the part that I love about indie wrestling. It's like one of those things where it's like, just the part that I, I'm kind of bummed out about not being on the internet as much. Um, is I see a lot of cool stuff and there are some people out there that deserve some attention and they're not getting as much as they deserve in my opinion and it's like I like being the ambassador for that but at the same time the negativity ain't worth it (laughs) well all right, man once again I appreciate you giving me your time giving me some insight into the world of independent wrestling and um, as always you've been a guest of the show and for any reason or any time that you feel that you want to come on back, the door is always open. Ah, dude, anytime, man. It was a pleasure. All right. I appreciate it. Anytime, man. All right. And that dude can talk, can he? He was just going on and on and on and on and on and on. And I was just listening and listening and listening and listening. <laughs> but it was a good time. He gave me a little bit of education. I got the hear how he views professional wrestling as a whole and um, a company that goes by the name of the WWE. So, enlightening. You know, you you meet all these uh, personalities on the internet or whatever. You uh, share common interests and you talk about stuff. You know, you don't really talk per se, but you know, you text your 140 characters and everything on Twitter. You know, you like each other's tweets and you retweet them and all that stuff. But until you actually voice the voice with this person, you know, you never really 
you can never really um feel how that person is uh viewing things you know or hear where they're coming from you know so anytime i run into a person like that on the internet such as mr Lass here um i'd like to get him on the show so we can just chat it out a little bit see what's going on that's pretty much gonna be like how it is um what is this Hey, it is Friday now. I got to record later on today. Hopefully we don't blow away in a tornado or a hurricane or whatever the fuck it is. Tropical storm. Uh, freaking rainbow crying tears. But sock money Mike. Sock, sock monkey Mike. Sock. I fucked that up. Sock monkey Mike. <laughs> and that's, that's just a Twitter handle or whatever. I don't know, dude real name or whatever but we're gonna find all that out tomorrow if he discloses those things he's an interesting cat he always um asks for retweets for certain things and he say he has twitter goals and all kind of stuff and it's, he's an avid wrestling fan as well so you're gonna get a double dose of uh wrestling talk this week and next week so i guess if you don't like that shit you know with two episodes to tune out this one then <laughs> They got down the one coming up next week, but um, I'm a there'll be another young man that I can sit there and pick his brain. Last ain't young though; he old. He old like me. <laughs> anyway, appreciate the man for coming on, enlightening me about some things, introducing me to some new wrestlers, and um, hopefully you heard some names that are familiar to you or not so familiar to you, and maybe you don't even know what professional wrestling is. I never watched professional wrestling, but you hear these names. And everything, you go look them up on the Google Spear, Google, Googleverse, and um, do some research of your own. Put your eyeballs on these individuals. With that being said, you can find me on Twitter at It's B-Rob. That's I-T-S-B-R-O-B. If you want to talk professional wrestling, like we did here today, or you want me to listen as you talk to about professional wrestling, I can do that too. Um, you could do that on Twitter at it's B Rob I T S B R O B. Did I say that already? I don't know. I just went in the damn time loop, but damn, follow it. <laughs> the show has its own Twitter, and you can follow that at wait for it R R R underscore podcast. For updates with the show, retweets, and all the other bull stuff. Also, you can go to randomrobcast.com and you can find my guest list. You can see pictures of all the guests that have ever been on the show, the ones that that gave me pictures. I'm still waiting on a picture from King Ajar. And um, I'm see if I can get a picture from Lass. He probably just gave me a funny picture that I put up there. It probably won't be him. Probably be Kenny Omega or something like that. And uh, as I said before, ways that you can um, support and help the show grow into something new and exciting whether it be via the patron account on Podbean and um, I have four tiers I'm crying them right now (laughs) I got a one dollar tier a three dollar tier a five dollar tier and now a ten dollar tier to where any of those tiers that you um, subscribe to and choose to donate to the show monetarily you get a free t-shirt right off the bat just for joining. And it doesn't matter if it's a dollar 
uh, the $3, the $5, or the $10. You automatically get a free shirt. So I'm hooking you up with that. And it's a limited edition exclusive shirt. I'm not selling them on my merchandise store. Only the people that contribute to the account get this t-shirt. And I don't know why I said an account. It's not like Bank of America, but I guess in essence it is an account because I had to set an account up to do the patron shit. But anyway, you get what the fuck I'm saying. Help me out. (laughs) If you donate, you get a shirt. Free. Full free. It wouldn't be free, I guess, if you donate, but you wouldn't have to pay for the shirt or the shipping. You get what the fuck I'm saying. You get a goddamn shirt. Nobody else get the shirt. Unless, you know, I feel they were the other shirt, which, you know, Ray, dude, you're awesome. So I got you a shirt for free. And my other two contributors, Brandon Mack and Glenn Abbott, they got their shirts in the mail, which would represent them. I ordered them on a Thursday night. It was like late Thursday, probably about like close to this time here. And um, they shipped them out. And um, Glenn got his today or yesterday. He got it yesterday on um, what would have been Wednesday. And um, B-Mac got his on Tuesday and Ray got his on Wednesday. So they was all in a row, all ordered the same night. One went to New York, one went to West Virginia and one went to the UK. So they all arrived at their destination one day between all of them. So. It was pretty fast. I like that. But anyway, I was, damn, I just went on a tangent on that shit. You can also go to uh, Instagram and look up the Random Rounds with Rob podcast. And you can see me walking through Walmart. You can hear me talking about bad weather and stuff today on my latest Instagram post. Also, there's another Instagram page that I have that's private. It also says on there that I won't follow you back or is only for patrons. So stop sending me requests to that shit. (laughs) And also, if you want to hear more professional wrestling talk on a consistent basis, I co-host a podcast called The Pipe Bomb with McCool and Company, which I'm the company, me and Josh. You can find that on the NAI Wrestling Network. Just search the NAI Wrestling Network and I'll show a pop-up in the feed along with a plethora of other wrestling-themed podcasts. So check them out. Also, the Random Rounds with Rob is in association with Hush Your Patient Entertainment, a collective of podcasts that join together to do things and the stuff and uh, get our shit out there. Also, don't forget, you can still win that copy of Grand Theft Auto V for Xbox One and an official <laughs> uh, poltergeist poachers prop signed by Happy Rogers himself. Uh, we went through uh, how we was going to give away these items on the last episode featuring Happy Rogers, episode 85. Um, and Happy suggested that you, as a, you know, someone competing for this prize, prizes, uh, will have to sing Raspberry Beret. And I said, if you did that shit inside of Walmart, you automatically win. If it's like three of y'all that decide to do it in Walmart, then 
I'll do a random drawing between you three people. But if whoever does it in Walmart, they automatically automatically win. I can't even talk automatically win. <laughs> I tried to say automatically, but it wasn't coming out right. Also, I mean, you ain't got to sing Raspberry Beret. But if you go to Walmart and you take a selfie and you tag me in it or you tweet it at me or whatever, that's your entry to win a copy of uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 for Xbox One. Physical copy, not a digital download. I'm going to actually mail it to your house. If you're in the Houston area, if you're close enough, I might even drive it to you. Give you a high five while I'm there. (laughs) But that's the rules. You got to either hit me up on Instagram, you know, tag me in a Walmart photo or a post. You can sing Raspberry Beret. You can sing any song. It doesn't fucking matter. Sing, sing me a song or tag me in Walmart. And, um, shit, post it on my Facebook. You can, uh, tweet it at me. Any, any of those things that I just said, cause I'm kind of rambling back and forth incoherently now. So that's what you got to do to win your physical copy of Grand Theft Auto 5 for Xbox One and a signed autograph. Banana Bell prop from the Poltergeist Poachers on Happy Rogers YouTube page. Yeah, baby. With that being said, I appreciate you listening once again, and I'll see you next time. Your face is coming straight to your ears A podcast network that's changing gears Bringing fresh funky pods with a fresh funky beat A family of pods that are bringing the heat There ain't no stopping us Keep coming back to us Sick ass pods that'll make you hush www.hushyourface www.hushyourface www.hushyourface.com